0: The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We have a good show today. We're going to talk about Von Miller and the Rams and why I don't think that changes the Rams ceiling and I don't think it affects the Packers all that much. We will talk also about the Kansas City Chiefs and why I was not impressed with what I saw last night and it really is much of the same for Kansas City lastly we will do rapid fire we'll talk aaron Rodgers, bitcoin we'll talk chris middleton and health and safety protocols and yes we have to talk about the pole assassin so we will talk about all of that uh today good show follow us on twitter tapping the keg follow us on instagram tiktok facebook tapping the keg sports rate review subscribe apple spotify we do try to post the podcast on instagram every day in our stories now that we can link it out we will have both the spotify link where you can go into the top corner and press listen or apple where it will be linked right directly there and you can get your pod your tapping the keg podcast right for you mitch and i back in it on thursday as a programming note if you guys are just tapping the keg listeners which there are all right but let's talk von miller let's talk rams let's talk how it affects the Packers. Vaughn Miller gets traded to the Los Angeles Rams. It's the first big move of the trade deadline. I have Ian Rappaport's Twitter account open in case anything breaks this morning, but nothing so far, all is quiet. As Andrew Brandt has said many a times and probably overdoes it, deadlines spur action. So we will probably not see a lot of moves until later this afternoon. I will probably turn on Rappaport's tweet notifications because I'm definitely not gonna turn on that weasel Adam Schefter. I will let, I'm a Rappaport guy, everybody knows this. Von Miller getting traded to the Rams is not that big of a deal. I understand what it looks like. I understand the flash of it. Von Miller is one of the premier defenders of the last decade. Von Miller has won a Super Bowl MVP. Von Miller is a notable guy in football. He is in advertisements. He is just a renowned player. Not necessarily a great guy, if you've seen some of the shit around Von Miller, but that sort of gets shoved under the rug. But Von Miller, the player, is not the same guy that he was a few years ago. He is a shell of himself, and really, the Rams are trading for the name more so than the actual player themselves and giving up an extreme amount of value for a rental player. Now, the Rams might think we can re-sign Von Miller next year to some sort of deal. And so only paying 700,000 for this year is going to be okay. We're going to be perfectly fine with that. It's not going to matter. We're, we're fine giving Von Miller, giving up a second and third round pick for him because we think he can produce. I don't personally see it. Now I understand in Denver's defense, people would be keen on Von Miller. But Denver and Los Angeles run a very similar system. Vic Fangio's defense was a lot of what Brandon Staley did and was a lot of why Joe Barry got the job in Green Bay. They're still doing that. Raheem Morris now running the defense for the Los Angeles Rams, but it is influenced by Fangio. So now they're bringing Von Miller over thinking it will be a perfect fit. Von Miller has four and a half sacks. That's not that impressive. And then if you really look at his game logs, Those sacks have came against the Giants, they've came against the Jets, and they've came against the Jaguars. Four out of the four and a half. So when Von Miller has played good teams, he's been wildly ineffective. Now, is that because he's getting all of the attention? Or is it that Von Miller is sort of washed up and not the same pass rusher that he used to be? Packer fans can relate to this. We saw this with Clay Matthews. And we've seen this with other people. And shout out to my guy, Pat Luce, who did did sort of the digging and mentioned the Clay Matthews comparison because, and he's a, a loyal listener, I have to give him a shout out because he's right. Like, I didn't find that this was a trade where I was like, oh my God, I'm scared. Like, it's a lot like the Kingpin gif with Bill Murray where he's shaking his hands. Like, that's how I feel. Okay, you added Von Miller. You already have Aaron Donald, We shut you guys up last year in the playoffs. What makes you think we can't shut you up again? Devontae Adams owned Jalen Ramsey, who they gave up so much for, and that Jalen Ramsey was supposed to be a Super Bowl guy. He was a guy to help propel them to the Super Bowl. And yes, I understand Aaron Donald got hurt during that game, but Aaron Donald wasn't wrecking shit before he had an oblique injury, okay? Aaron Donald was not sort of making things happen before he went down with that injury. The Rams were not getting pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers owned that team. Aaron Rodgers had no problem against that defense. And it'll be a great test in a month to see how they do in Lambeau in a likely cold game late afternoon in late November. That game obviously now has taken itself to another level with Von Miller. But the Packers are gonna have David Boxiari back. And I don't necessarily think that David Bakhtiari will struggle with a washed up Von Miller. And I said it, yeah. Von Miller is not the same player. He had a, a serious injury last year. Now, 2022, could Von Miller be a lot better? Potentially. And maybe we have to worry about that with Bakhtiari. We'll just have to see. But it tends to be the ACLs are a two-year injury. We see this all the time. So maybe, That Von Miller will not regain strength until next year. Maybe he's wrecking shit next year. And we got to say, all right, well, we got to take Von Miller seriously. But I look at this and I don't think the Rams have just immediately made themselves the top team in the NFC. I saw that from Mike Greenberg and it's very typical. It's very flashy, it's going to get attention. It is a splashy thing, it is going to drive attention. It's gonna drive more notable things in a city like LA where they need to have the attention on them. LA is a star city. It's why the Lakers always bring in dudes. It's why the Clippers can attract different talent. It's why the Dodgers seemingly always have big names. It is a competition to see who has the most stars in that city. And it will always draw eyeballs. Now the Rams are fighting for those eyeballs. The Rams right now are what maybe the Bucks were in the 1990s or 2000s. If you use Milwaukee as the comparison, you're like, wow, that's intense. But think about it: they're diehard Dodger fans, and the Dodgers have won a World Series in the last couple of years. The Lakers are always going to be the number one team. If you talk to people who are in cities like Chicago, Cleveland, and elsewhere, like there are certain teams that are just bigger than everybody else. Like the Browns, for example. Even though the Browns have had so much strife and so much struggle, when the Browns are good, nothing else fucking matters in that city. So when the Lakers are good, nothing fucking matters. Nothing. The Lakers are the team. But to compete with a team like the Lakers, adding flashy dudes like Von Miller are going to get attention. It's going to draw more eyeballs to your team. And yes, the Rams would love to host a Super Bowl. They would love to do what the Patriots did and host the Super Bowl on their own. But it's hard for me to look at this and say, all right, this has vaulted them past the Packers. The Rams have not been that good rushing the quarterback this year. The Packers are just as good rushing the quarterback if not better. They're tied for the they are t- tied with the Rams when it comes to pressures. Their pressure percentage is 8th in the league. The Rams are around 21st, 22nd. And for those who don't know the nerd NFL stats, pressure percentage is based on all the things you you think of. So hurries, knockdowns, sacks. That is what pressure percentage brings to you. So Green Bay his pass rush is just as good as what the Rams are bringing. So if you are like, well, why didn't we get Von Miller? We didn't need fucking Von Miller. We have Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Garvin is something. Um, and you're going to get Zadarius Smith back at some point, which is surprising, which is something we didn't really talk about. But Zadarius Smith was a guy I did not count on for the rest of the season. And now all of a sudden he's back in Green Bay. Winning chairs a lot, I guess. And that's great. And that is, that's a great boost for what Green Bay has going forward. And some people are like, well, the Rams are, are this model of what the Packers should be in terms of trading draft picks. Why? I don't know about you guys, but I would rather have Elton Jenkins, Jair Alexander, Darnell Savage, Rashawn Gary, Eric Stokes, and, and a few others. Kingsley Kike is another one, another starter. They've all been drafted by the Green Bay Packers. The Los Angeles Rams do it differently. I think what people need to understand is that you are not going to see the same thing with the same teams. Every team has a different philosophy. Every team has a different structure. And if you don't like the Packers draft and develop model, you should just go cheer for another fucking team because that's what the Green Bay Packers have been for decades. It's not changing. That's what how Green Bay runs their team. Green Bay doesn't have an owner. Green Bay can't just have an owner that willingly says, well, yeah, we'll go on the luxury tax, no problem. And they don't have that, all right? And they don't wanna do chap, cap gymnastics. And I'm telling you, at some point, the Rams are going to be fucked. I don't know when, but at some point, the Rams are going to fall apart, just like the Saints, which is incredible. And Sean Payton deserves probably coach of the year over Matt LaFleur. It pains me to say that. I love Matt LaFleur, but man, Sean Payton's six and two with basically nobody on that offense. That offense is absolutely, I wouldn't say garbage, but it's like, it's not what you would want it to be. They have a good offensive line, that's it. And Alvin Kamara. So it does help, I guess, but they don't have a quarterback. They don't have any wide receivers. The Saints are kind of just... They should be a eight and eight ball team. And they're not, they're right in the playoff hunt. And they're potentially in the mix for the NFC South title. That's crazy. That's nuts. So I, I think Peyton deserves a ton of credit for that. And they've had cap issues and it has not but bit them because they have a really good coach. And so maybe because Sean, Sean McVay, another Sean, is a, as good of a coach as Peyton, he will not allow that to happen. But I'm okay with what the Packers do. And if they make a move today, great. If they don't, I'm not gonna freak out about it. Green Bay has let us down time and again with the trade deadline. We'll obviously react to it, but it's not necessarily anything that I expect. If they get Evan Ingram, that would be fantastic. But I'm not, I don't want Evan Ingram for more than a fifth or sixth round draft pick. And the Giants think they get should get a four. They're fucking high. So we'll see what the Packers do. Again, keep those expectations low. Learn from this Stephon Gilmore uh, issue a couple weeks ago. And just, if it happens, great. If it doesn't, don't don't like freak out over it. Moving on to the Kansas City Chiefs. So the Kansas City Chiefs played the New York Giants yesterday. I think all of us got to self-scout the Chiefs as they get ready to play the Green Bay Packers on Sunday. The Packers open as a two and a half point dog. Uh, They are underdogs yet again uh, for the second straight week. Green Bay obviously won outright uh, in Arizona. Now they will look to do the same in Kansas City. It's a back-to-back road game for the Packers. This is a daylight savings time curse game, which I can't remember if we talked about, but they've lost their last seven games on daylight savings time, which it is again on Sunday. So set back your clocks. But I look at Kansas City and I do not find anything to be impressed by. The Chiefs really look like a shell of themselves. And I don't really know how to explain it. I don't really get that the Chiefs struggle with too high. That they, the, basically the defense of running a Tampa 2, if you will, and having two safeties back has somewhat confused the Chiefs. And I, I really don't get it. I mean, Tyreek Hill today had 12 catches. So Tyreek was more of an integral part inside out. We talked about this, I think, right before the Arizona game, right? How the Kansas City Chiefs are more outside in and they need you know more slot guys and they need to sort of spread the ball out without going deep and that they, they aren't able to go deep and that has somewhat limited Patrick Mahomes' powers. And I think what Mahomes needs is he needs a full off-season of kind of retraining his brain. I think that's what's wrong with Patrick Mahomes. I think everybody probably has their own theories. And yes, rough patches do happen. But I think what what is going on is Patrick Mahomes' brain is telling him one thing, but his eyes are seeing another thing. And even though his brain's like chuck it downfield or try to fit this in, it's really not what Kansas City should be doing. And Kansas City should really be adapting that dink and dunk offense. A lot of the stuff that Andy Reid used to do in Philadelphia. Like Brian Brian Westbrook was one of the more underrated running backs of the last 20 years. And Brian Westbrook kind of ushered the fantasy pass catching running back era. And Westbrook would catch, ah gosh, like five to eight balls out of the backfield. Like that's what Kansas City needs right now. They need a guy that's catching balls out of the backfield. They need an Aaron Jones, honestly. If Kansas City had an Aaron Jones-like running back, I think Kansas City would be just fine. But right now, they are dealing with a, a offense that is stagnant. They can't get Travis Kelsey going. Travis Kelsey, for whatever reason, is not you know being schemed up. And these this too high s- style has shut down Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is not the player he was a couple years ago. These Chiefs, This Chiefs team looks very normal. They tried to fix their offensive line, it did not work. And for whatever reason, whether it's their offensive line coach, whether it's the guys they brought in, it's not working. If I were the Chiefs, I would make a massive offer to Adam Stefancic, the Green Bay Packer offensive line coach. I don't think they can go lateral move. So you'd have to be like, Offensive coordinator plus offensive line coach or something like that. First, the to to move on from Green Bay. But they need to get a premier line coach because that is part of their problem too. And Patrick Mahomes keeps giving the football away and the Chiefs in general. The Packers right now are tied third in the NFL with 14 takeaways. The Chiefs are worse than the NFL with 19 giveaways. Shout out to Matt Schneidman on that stat. That's bad. That is not going to get it done. That is going to really, really hinder yourself. I'm not going to look past the Chiefs, though. I'm not going to say, okay, the Packers are going to absolutely roll in this game. Kansas City needs this win. Kansas City is playing the hardest schedule in the NFL. They do not play a team under 500 the rest of the way at this point of the season. Now, a lot can change. If you remember, when we looked at the Packers schedule on paper, we saw Arizona, Kansas City, Seattle, Minnesota, Los Angeles, and that five-game stretch seemed really fucking hard. Now, Seattle might be have Russell Wilson back, but their defense is complete smoke and mirrors regardless of Russell Wilson being back. Minnesota could be out to Neil Hunter, and they won't have a pass rush, and Minnesota looks like a team that is falling apart at the seams, and Mike Zimmer might not make it to December. Los Angeles, yes, very tough. Kansas City, again, it's unknown. Yes, the the Chiefs need a win, but I'm not looking at this and saying it is an impossible game for the Packers to win. It isn't. In, In a lot of ways, the Packers probably are favored at home, right? So I do not think that the Green Bay Packers are in a bad spot here. I think having 10 days off, I think hopefully getting Devontae Adams back, hopefully getting... David Bakhtiari back is only going to help things I don't know the status of Jair Alexander Uh, that would be nice to know but even if Jair is not playing I think they have what it takes with Rasul Douglas and Eric Stokes I think that's a pretty solid secondary and then you're going to add Kevin King into the mix and I realize everybody has their own opinions on Kevin King but I think Kevin King in doses is just fine he's like that friend where you're like okay I can see this person like once every two or three weeks, but if I keep seeing them every week, I'm going to get fucking sick of them. That's kind of Kevin King. It's like Kevin King plays limited snaps. I think it's fine. If Kevin King plays the full game, we're probably fucked. So I think it'll be all right to have Kevin King out there in a limited capacity. Chan Sullivan has looked good the last few weeks. You know, there are guys who are coming on. It's and the thing about this defense and why you feel almost better about them against the Chiefs is it seems like the defense is getting more confident each week. Every week, it seems like it's another thing for this defense. Last week, it was the Douglas interception. It was, they had two opportunities to intercept. Henry Black, who was terrible against Washington, makes a pick. He finds, ball gets tipped, he gets the ball. Rashawn Gary frustrates Kyler Murray, causes Kyler Murray to fumble. The Packers are a team that is hunting turnovers. And that has not been the case in years. And that is a bad news for the Chiefs. So we'll see what happens. But I do have a lot of confidence in the Packers. Although that Day- daylight savings time curse is looming in the background of my head. I like I can't get it out of my head. I forgot about it. And then someone brought it up yesterday that the Packers are 0-7 in their last daylight savings game. And I have to at least kind of do the research. I think I did a podcast on this. I'm going to have to look. If I didn't, we'll do the podcast tomorrow and we'll talk about it. Because I'm sure there's context to why those games happened. Uh, but we'll we'll get into all of that uh, maybe tomorrow. All right, let's do a little Wisconsin rapid fire and wrap us up for today's show. Aaron Rodgers giving away some of his salary and bitcoin or taking some of his salary and bitcoin and then giving away a million dollars. I forgot to hit up Aaron Rodgers on social media. That's on me. I would have I wouldn't mind a little bit of bitcoin just to see how it does. Why not? Like, hey, say hey Aaron, can you send me send me some bitcoin? It's a great way for Cash App to sort of try to break through in the Venmo space. Venmo is so popular. I think all of us use Venmo. I think it's it's very hard to think of someone who doesn't use venmo and so for cash app to be like all right how do we break through how do we get past venmo using aaron Rodgers is a great idea that's something that i would definitely look at if i were you know that makes you think all right let's let's look at cash app let's see if cash app is is the way to go over venmo because they do do bitcoin i'm not huge in the cryptocurrency i don't really understand it the only time I've dealt with Bitcoin is if I'm pulling out money that I've won in gambling that that is Bitcoin first and then I put it into my bank. Now I have thought multiple times in the last the Bitcoin surge, I'm like, should I have just fucking left it in there? And if I had left it in there, what would my what would my dollars have been? Because I think it would have been really, it could have been some really special, special amount and been like, oh, hey, by the way, I have like a 100,000 in Bitcoin now that I need to transfer over. So that that's something to think about next time I hit it big. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, let's just put it that way. Uh, it was a good day, as, as I mentioned, a good day Sunday. But yeah, Aaron Rodgers, Bitcoin, Cash App, I think it all works, works out. Aaron Rodgers being a crypto guy is not surprising. Um, it seems very up his alley. Uh, Tom Brady obviously involved with FTX, uh, which makes sense. Um, would be, makes sense that they go after Aaron Rodgers. And I don't know, maybe does Venmo or someone else go after a Patrick Mahomes? At this point, it's like, do you have to do crypto? Is Mahomes agent like, Rodgers and Brady are doing crypto. You need to do Crypto. I have no idea. Or Josh Allen. Josh Allen feels like more of a crypto guy in the young quarterbacks or Lamar Jackson. I would say if I had to rank who are crypto guys in that young quarterback, oh, Herbert. Herbert, number one. Josh Allen, two. Jackson, three. I'd go Mahomes, four. In the crypto power rankings for the young guns. Other little nuggets, you, Chris Middleton entering health and safety protocols. Originally, it was, hey, Chris Middleton's sick. He's going to miss the the Utah game. Now it's like, ah, we don't know. Chris Middleton might have COVID. Um, They have not said if he has a positive test or if he's a close contact or if he's unvaccinated. We don't know any of that information. We should not necessarily demand it. I don't really care too much. I just want to know the timeline." At this point, like, that's really all I care about. If he has COVID and he's out for 10 games, then he's out for 10 games and the hits just keep coming for the bucks and they can't seem to get fucking healthy. And that is very frustrating. And I think a question for Mitch next week on Tabbing the Keg, or this week on Tabbing the Keg is like, when do we start like going like, all right, can, should we put, should we be like concerned about these injuries? Or should we look at the record and say, all right, We have a massive hill to climb. Right now, the Bucs are three and four. They play the Pistons tonight. Even though that they are a skeleton crew, they should beat the Pistons. Pistons are one of the worst teams in the NBA. But because the Bucs are only a four and a half point favorite, that I think tells you everything you need to know about Milwaukee right now. We'll see if they can get it done against Detroit. And then hopefully you can get some guys back for the Knicks on Friday, which is quite a layoff. And then, by that point, you're almost at two weeks with Holiday's ankle. You're at over two weeks with Brooke Lopez's back. If Middleton just needs to do like a five-day quarantine, he could potentially be back for that. It would be really nice to have all the tools back on Friday, but I feel like I keep fucking saying that. So we'll just sort of watch what happens with Middleton and obviously let's hope it's not any sort of outbreak. Um, Giannis obviously has announced he's vaccinated, but that's really the only one we know I know the Bucks aren't fully vaccinated. I think that was noted. Um, but they have a lot of guys who are. So we'll see. I mean, we'll know if they go to Brooklyn and like, yeah, so-and-so can't play because he's vac- he's not vaccinated. So we'll know right then and there who, who did not get the vaccine. And I really don't care. We talked about this with Lazard. We don't need to go into that again. But it's just, obviously, I hope Chris Middleton's all right. I hope that he's able to uh, break through and it's not a serious... COVID thing and maybe when Bud said it wasn't COVID on Sunday and now he's in health and safety protocols maybe there was some misunderstanding or some symptoms emerge where it's like all right we gotta at least look at this so we'll see hopefully it'll be all right um, because obviously the Bucks are a shell of themselves and really it's not that fun right now to watch Bucks basketball and that sucks right I was like I, I think all of us were excited for the season and it's like this guy's hurt this guy's hurt and it's like I don't know. Is it, is it really worth watching the Bucks right now? Lastly, I have to talk about the pole assassin. I have to. So if you did not see this story, if you were not online yesterday uh, during the Chiefs and everything else, here is what happened. There was a story that came out and said, I'm hearing a report from a credible source that Texas Longhorn special teams coach Jeff Banks-Monkey allegedly attacked and seriously hurt a trick trader last night on Halloween. The monkey's jaws apparently had to be pried off the small child. Now, there is some context here. Jeff Banks used to coach at Alabama. Jeff Banks had a wife and kids. Jeff Banks left his wife and kids for a woman that was a stripper in Alabama, whose nickname was the Pole Assassin, and she used a monkey as part of her routine. Now, Jeff Banks, obviously making a million a year as a special teams coach, has let Miss Banks retire from the stripping game. Danny Banks is her name. She does not strip anymore. But you can take the woman off the pole, but you can't take the pole out of the woman because Danny does not play around on social media. She did this whole thing basically explaining what had to happen for a kid to get attacked by a monkey. And it seemed like the curiosity got the kid. Her defense was not a bad one, honestly. Now, no one knows if she put that sign up right away, Um, her being like, oh, I took these signs down. I don't know how much I believe that. I think what you would need, was a very big house. Bigger house than I would expect for a guy only making a million a year, Honestly. Um, but who knows? Maybe property's good, whatever. Um, I need to see like actual like Nest f- Footage or like Simply Safe. Not a sponsor, but if they want to, they sponsor every other fucking podcast. I need I need to have more of a tape. Like I need to have the surveillance. All right, like that's what we need when we're going into this. Like that that to me is our key here. If we see that Danny is actually telling the truth that this little shit went all the way back there and disrupted the monkey, then yeah, it's on the kid. But I, I guess like, it took a while to get to the monkey cage. So like, if you're really thinking about this, yes, there was some curiosity from a kid. And when you're six or seven years old, you get curious. And sometimes you stick your hand in cages. I did it and nearly lost a hand when I was like four. We had a block party and it was like a neighborhood, whatever. There was a fence with a dog and a dog was a big fucking Akita. He was a mean son of a bitch. There's a long time story about him and my cat went face to face and they looked at each other and then they walked away. It's an urban legend in the city of Tosa. It's like the mob. It was the cat versus the dog. My cat McNeil was a street cat, did not put up with a lot of shit, easily could have got Eaten by that Akita did not happen. Anyways, this Akita was a mean son of a bitch though, and they had a fence, but the fence was like outward facing in the front door, so the Akita could kind of watch, watch sort of the ins and outs of everything. You see this every now and again, uh, but it doesn't happen often in houses anymore. Um, that there's like a fence that leads out to the front yard, so when I'm there all of a sudden I put my hand in the cage to pet the dog and the dog puts my hand in its mouth it I am my hand is just resting in its mouth and I'm four and I I I didn't have big hands as a kid like I I mean fuck you're that's basically nothing and when a neighbor finally realized it she quickly removed my hand from that and then I started bawling because I realized like my brain must have been like, holy shit, I fucked up. So this is my long way of saying it happens that kids stick their hands in cages. They you just want to pet the animal, man. They don't know better. Um, so yeah, maybe just be like, all right. If I guess here's the thing. If this fence had the monkey, you had to go to two fences. And I understand the curiosity of the kid. But why the fuck wouldn't you put some sort of barrier so that you couldn't go any further? Like, just put up, I don't know, just move like a, a chair there. Move like a, like a pool chair or something. Or move like a lawn chair. Something that would basically prevent you from going forward. That's all you gotta do. But anyways, pull Assassin's an incredible story. One of the best that you will ever see in the internet streets. Kept all of us entertained, I think on Friday, on Monday, after, Monday evening. Take care of yourself. Have a great Tuesday. I'm going to try to get podcasts up earlier, guys. I, I really am. I'm really sorry for this. Um, basically, I think that it gets misconstrued sometimes that like you're like, oh, person A will who doesn't have a side hustle let us watch TV and hang out. And person B who has a side hustle works their ass off at night. It's really hard sometimes for me to get up at night. I'm working till seven. I want to spend time with my wife. I want to do shit around the house. That keeps my wife sort of off my ass and also keeps our house clean. And so it leaves less time for blogging and podcasting, more than I would like. So I'm really gonna try to recommit as much as I can, but it's hard, not gonna lie. All right, guys, have a great Tuesday and we'll be back tomorrow. All right, see you. bye.